I think people had kind of pegged me as this one person and not necessarily having the agility to do these different things. My family and friends and colleagues know me as a person who worked at Starbucks. It's like everybody, that's all everybody knew was me and my identity was Starbucks. And so that was a shift I had to really work through and know that there's more to me than just that company. This is Christine McHugh. These days, Christine is an executive coach and author. But at the moment she's talking about, she was an executive at Starbucks. And she'd worked there for over 27 years. And it got to a point at the end where I just felt in my heart I wasn't having that same level of energy in what I was doing. And that was when I was like, you know what? I need to take a break because I didn't know what else to do with myself. So I think that was really the tipping point. Hi, I'm Lara Dolch, and you're listening to She Knows the Way, a show about deciding what's next when doing what's expected no longer feels right. This season, we'll hear from women across all kinds of industries who have, at one point or another, stepped off the path in front of them. We'll talk with these women about the hard stuff that goes along with taking that step. Stuff like feeling burnt out, but having no clue why or how to recover. Like taking a leap in your career, even when it means reimagining who you are to your family. Like knowing with your whole body that something is right for you, but still feeling really, really scared. And we'll hear about how these women navigated these changes and found their way. Before we hear more from Christine, I just want to say hi. It's been a very long minute since we released an episode, and I'm so excited to be back. I hope you're well and navigating life and work as best you can. The last 18 months have been, well, a roller coaster ride, but here we all are finding what's next for us in this strange new world we live in. I think you'll love my conversation with Christine. As you might have guessed from her story, Christine McHugh's decision to leave Starbucks was not a simple one, partly because her roots there ran so deep. As I mentioned, Christine had been working at the company for over 27 years. She started back in the 90s when Starbucks was a regional chain with 37 stores. Today, they have over 32,000. Christine was in college at the time, and she picked up a part-time job at Starbucks as a barista. What I remember really clearly was the interview process because we tasted coffee. I'd never gone through a coffee tasting before. We did it in the cafe part of the store. I got to see customers. I got to see the partners and the baristas working. And I remember just like being surrounded by this richness of color and sounds from the espresso machine and the smell of coffee and the conversation with the very seasoned baristas, with the very experienced regular customers, and just feeling like it was, I was in another world, but it was like an enveloping, immersive experience. But I remember it feeling just cozy, just feeling cozy on that first day, like I was meant to be in that space. Do you think there was anything about your experience growing up that it's not like made you susceptible. That's not what I'm like, but something about the way you grew up that sort of made that experience resonate with you in that way. Possibly. 
in that I had the opposite experience growing up, right? It was a little more chaotic. Um, I was raised in a single parent household and that single parent was my father, which was really unusual. And my father did his best to, you know, get us semblance of a nutritious meal on the table. I mean, it wasn't like a a clean place. It wasn't a cozy place in terms of where we lived. Um, And we didn't have nice things, so to speak, or brand new clothes or anything. So being in that store and kind of feeling that experience of connection and belonging to actually being a place that was very feeling of nurturing was a contrast to the environment I grew up in. Mm -hmm. Wow, you're really taking me back. (laughs) (laughs) What I do. I'll be thinking about that one all day. But But what was it about Starbucks that attracted you back then? It was definitely the people aspect. You know, I hadn't ever worked for another company before that had more than 20 or 30 employees. And one of the things that I discovered pretty quickly early in my time and which kept me there was this focus on people. There's this genuine care for not just the employee experience or Starbucks calls partners, but the customer experience. And it felt good to me for lack of better words, it just felt like home. And I felt like I could make an impact. I could make an impact on the people I worked with. I could make an impact on the customers. And it was fun to be a part of that and to be in an environment where that was not just encouraged, but expected of, um, of taking care of one another. And that hooked me in. I think that as well as the opportunity to try new things and take on new bodies of work and raise your hand and ask for more responsibility. And that hooked into my goal orientation, this desire that I have to um, expand myself and take on new skills and be exposed to new environments. And Starbucks really facilitated that because nobody was telling me to like get back in my box or to just do my job. It was like, you can do whatever you want. Christine felt so strongly about Starbucks that she made it her focus. She quit school to work there full time. And at first, to me, this decision seemed like it might have been Christine's first instance of making a hard pivot or course correction in her career. But Christine doesn't see it that way. To her, the choice to drop out of college was easy. I never quite felt like I belonged at school in the first place. And the only reason I really went to college in the first place was because I didn't know what else to do. And I thought it was what I was supposed to do. I was fully self-supporting. I was paying for school and my apartment and all that myself. So it made sense to me to do something that actually was more joyful, right? And that was for me working. And I've always been a worker. Like my very first job, my grandparents had a gift shop and I I worked there as a retail clerk and I loved it, right? So I've always had this thing in me that loves to work and be of service. So just, it was an easy decision for me to make because I just felt like it was more joyful. Yeah. And why would I be wasting my time and my money for something that really wasn't filling me up? Well, and what I love about that story is just the the self-awareness of someone who was relatively young, right? I mean, to be able to sort of do that calculus and, you know, I mean, that wouldn't have even occurred to me at that age. <laughs> like, I just could not get the same level of excitement and I wasn't jazzed about 
wading through textbooks, I was having much more fun actually being able to kind of be a part of this environment. And so I quit school because I wanted to get more of that. I still was like craving this growth and this opportunity. And for years, Christine did grow. She left her role as a barista when she landed a job in the sales department at corporate. She flourished under different managers in different departments, moving from sales to training and development to operations. Christine told me she'd never planned to stay at Starbucks forever. It was more like one interesting, enriching job there led to another and then another, until one day she was a VP. But then, at some point, she just couldn't see that next interesting, enriching thing. It definitely wasn't a single moment, and I think it built over a couple of years. Maybe a year and a half before I left, I started having conversations with my boss at the time around kind of what's next for me. And I was having a hard time visualizing it. Like I didn't necessarily want to become an SVP of this or an EVP of that, or, you know, do a rotation into supply chain or go out into the field. Like none of that really felt right to me, but I wasn't sure what was next. So to figure out what was next, Christine started working with a career and leadership coach and Starbucks supported this the whole way. And when I finished my work with her, it was about four months of working together. I was jacked up and excited about like, here's what I want. Here's what I'm good at. And tried to kind of open my own mind about looking at more unconventional things, things that may have not been on my radar, but would bring, have these elements in the role and a place potentially could be my best. And I had this little profile of like the perfect job and all the things I'm good at. And I was so pumped up about it. And I started shopping it around in the organization and it kind of landed with a thud. Um, Not kind of, it did land with a thud. Even though Starbucks, the company, was in total support of Christine's work to discover this next role that she designed with her coach, the people at Starbucks who had the power to make that role real just couldn't see her vision. I think people had, even though I'd done a lot of different things in the organization, people had kind of pegged me as this this one person and not necessarily having the agility to do these different things. And that was when I was like, you know what? I need to take a break. And when I came back from my sabbatical, I think I was there for another three or four weeks and then I, I quit. We're going to take a break too, a quick one. When we come back, we'll learn who Christine became outside of Starbucks. Welcome back. When we left Christine, she had just quit her job in a leadership role at Starbucks after a 27-year tenure there. She had written a proposal for an entirely new role at Starbucks. And then when that didn't stick, she'd taken a sabbatical to step back and see if she could still make it work there. But her heart just wasn't in it. And I ended up leaving and going to a healthcare startup. And just for contrast, my team at Starbucks when I left was 100 people. And the healthcare company I went to had 40 in the entire company. And I didn't even have a team. So huge change making this decision because I was giving up a fat salary package, you know, the golden handcuffs with the stock. So I had a lot of raised eyebrows with that. And 
it did cause a little bit of self-doubt. Did I make the right decision? Is this going to be okay? And I'm a very analytical person. So of course I had lists that weighed, like, here's all the things that I need. Here's all the things that I'm good at. Check which boxes, you know, that sort of thing. But I also knew in my heart, I was more energized about what this potential thing was going to bring me. And I wasn't having that same level of energy in what I was doing. The way Christine talks about the role she was leaving for reminds me of the way she talked about feeling at Starbucks in the beginning. Like she was drawn to the sheer energy of it. Like saying yes to it was catching up with something she already knew. I've been lucky enough to feel that way at points in my career too. I remember the first time I walked into a startup game company years ago. It's called Wizards of the Coast. And it's part of a huge toy and game company now. I didn't know what it was exactly, but I knew I wanted to be part of it. And it was like my whole body was telling me that this is where I needed to be. Of course, it's much easier to identify that feeling in hindsight. I often feel like tuning in and feeling around for that energy in the moment can be the hardest part. Christine strikes me as being really good at this. Yeah, I don't know when I started really keen into this, but I do a lot of self-reflection and really try and build my self-awareness. And so, you know, I mentioned earlier, I'm like a list maker. I always like write things down, like what about this appeals to me? What sounds like a terrible idea? And I think as I know more about myself and have a deeper self-awareness, you know, even the last five, 10 years than I did like 20 years ago or more, it comes really clear around like, these are the things that bring me joy. And now I don't always have to write it down, but I can tell in my gut, I can tell if this is something I'm going to dread or if this is something that I'm like really excited about. And if it's something that I dread, I try and not do it, right? You know, or trying to avoid it or find another way to make it happen. <laughs> totally. Totally. No, but I, the, I, I'm i glad we talked about that because I do think it's important for listeners who are in a period of transition or really maybe not and just trying to sort of tune into those things. Like there are two things that I heard. One is reflection and sort of journaling and, and being intentional about paying attention to it for a while so that you sort of exercise that muscle. And then eventually part two is it becomes more intuitive. Like, oh, I feel this way again. That must mean that that's a thing I should do. Um, I definitely want to talk about the sabbatical because I think that, you know, when you talk to people about career breaks, I feel like people freak out, like at least in my experience, because I, I've, you know, taken a few myself or a couple, I guess, and people get very nervous about taking a step back from their work. What helped you decide to do that? What was important about it to you at the time? Yeah, it's interesting to use the word step back because now I've had three breaks in my career and they all had different impetuses for them and they all had different outcomes. And I learned through that time off that it's not a step back, it's a step forward. But it's scary and step forwards are often scary, right? Because you don't always know what's going to be on the other side. And I believe that each of those times off I've taken have broadened my skill, my understanding of the world, um, my competencies in a lot of levels, and also my own self-awareness. So this particular sabbatical had a very um, specific mission for me because I'd done all this work on my career and I needed to step away and get some perspective on where did I want to take this work that I had just done. I knew it was time because I knew I wouldn't be able to figure out 
where and how I wanted to be in my life and my work if I didn't take a break. And so that's why I call it the step forward um, because it did, it helped. It actually created a launch pad for so many other things in my life and my work that I really encourage people to do it if they can. Are you someone that is comfortable with uncertainty? I think I have to answer that question, yes. <laughs> but that is really new for me. And I don't know how and when that changed. Because if you think about it, I worked at the same company for 27 years. I've been married to the same person for over 25 years. I've lived in the same neighborhood for 26 years. So on one hand, there hasn't been a lot of dramatic change in my life. And I don't know if it's because I like the comfort of this, but I also, I think especially the last five years, I've been trying to be a lot more open to what life is delivering to me and what I'm meant to be doing. And so that requires more uncertainty. Earlier today, I was talking with somebody and they're like, so what is your next step in your career? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I really don't. I don't ask me what I'm doing five years from now because I don't know, but I actually find that really exciting. I'm going to be an empty nester. I just wrote a book. Never thought that would happen. I don't know where that's going to take me. I don't know where the business is going to take me. I, and that's cool. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. And I'm nodding mostly because I so relate to that sense of embracing the um, sort of feeling your way through it. Like, like for me, it shows up as like, I have like a loose (laughs) framework, (laughs) right? This is how I travel too. Like I like to try, like when I go visit a place, I'm like, okay, I have like a a general sense of what I want to see or where I'm going to stay, but there's a lot of play in there. Um, And that's intentional. I'm curious for you how that's developed over time. It's it's because it sounds like maybe it wasn't always the case and how you've coped with that, like, or, or leaned into it maybe. Yeah, I think because I definitely was much more routinized, routine, predictable planner. And I think it's just because I've started to let go a little bit over the last few years and have seen what that can do for me and for others by not being so rooted in a structure or a plan that it's made me want to experience more of that, right? So here's a funny, like this is just a quick personal example. So I'm a distance runner. It's a late in life thing. And I'm a morning runner. I have been a morning runner since I started. And my husband and I started running together a little bit more than six months ago, and he's never been a runner. And we would get up and run mornings on Tuesday mornings, and that was becoming really hard for him. The old Christine would have been like, well, too bad. I'm going to do my morning run, and I'll catch you some other time of the day. I like told him the other day, I was like, you know what? How about if we run Tuesday late afternoons or evenings instead? Would that work for you? That is a huge change for me. I know it sounds small, but that is huge for me. And he looked at me and he said, wow, I really appreciate that. So that's a little example of funny, but I, five years ago, I would have been like, nope, I'm sticking to my routine and either you're part of it or you're not. And look what it did for our relationship, right? By being more open, it's just seeing how things can flourish and in all aspects of life and work. Yeah, I love that. I love that story. It's such a good example for, I mean, cause I'm the same way, like, don't get me wrong. I'm still very structured in certain ways. Um, and, you know, I, I actually, I would love to talk a little bit more about your running. How did running sort of factor into this transition? How did it show up and, and what has it done for you as part of this? 
it, it was a major factor in my career transition. It really was. And so I first got inspired to run by my son. He was doing an after-school 5K program. And I thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it, although that sounds horrible and I'm not a runner. I Googled running groups in Seattle and I found one and they promoted all paces, all experience levels. And so I showed up. I was surrounded by, and I still am, a really diverse group of highly supportive people that care. And I found myself with a variety of ages and experiences and cultural backgrounds. And it sparked a lot of conversation because there was this natural, non-judgmental or assumptive relationships around what you should be doing or shouldn't be doing because we're all coming from completely different places in our lives and our careers. I mean, through those conversations and those dialogues with people, it really got me thinking about what was you know, important to me and what do I value. Then there was actual physical element of it, which was teaching me to you know, set goals and do things that I never imagined. So I learned that I can push the edges with myself and do things I didn't think possible. So I think the physical experience as well as the community that I was in really did factor into my transition. Totally. I mean, I, I totally, yeah. And the community aspect to it. I mean, runners are such amazing people. Generally speaking, I'm sure there are some assholes too, but yeah, I mean, I had the same experience. I started really running when I lived in New York city and ran with team and training, which is a fundraising arm of the leukemia and lymphoma society. And I mean, just some of the best, nicest people that I'm still in touch with and in and, and, and some respects, looking back on it, it was in a transitional time in my life. So yeah, is there anything you would say to a listener who is thinking about taking a career pause? What, what advice would you give her? Don't worry, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> it will. Um, and don't overstructure it. Keep some space open to see what might come out of it. And you're going to get so much personal insight from this experience, and that is going to pay dividends. The next interview you do post that break, you're going to crush it because you're actually going to know that much more about yourself, right? And you're going to be able to make a decision about your potential next move with a greater deal of clarity, which is going to bring you back to the joy. It's going to bring you more joy once you actually find that. I love it. Yeah. I'm beginning to think now, finally, in my late forties, that life is all about attunement to those things that bring you joy, right? I mean, ultimately, or it has been for me, Mm -hmm. you learn and you experiment and you, you just get closer to the truth. And I don't know. Anyway, philosophical moment. I love that attunement. Yeah. I wrote down that word just now. Attunement. Attunement, I don't know if that's yeah. the right word, but that's the word that came to me because it's this um, constant refinement. So, Well, it's funny because I'm staring at this quote I have taped up above my desk. There's a, a meditation teacher named Light Watkins, and I get his daily doses. And I've got this quote, and I kind of went back to my email, and I finally printed it out. It says, um, many of us have a dream, a big dream. We envision the creation of something that can make our life or the world better, and we imagine how wonderful it would be to do it. Then we get weighed down by the endless demands of life, and we begin compromising, but not with our demands. We begin compromising our dream. We rarely ask, what if all the demands aren't real? What if some are tests to see how committed we will be to our dream? And what if our dream is the realest thing we have? 
I've been thinking about this quote for weeks now. For me, this question gets right to the heart of the conversation we'll dig into with this show about when and how we forge our own path, especially as women, about what we compromise, whether we're on a new path or an old one, and how we rewire ourselves to stay awake to our dreams. Special thanks to Christine McHugh for speaking with us for this episode. If you'd like to connect with Christine, you can get in touch via her website, christinemchughconsulting.com, on LinkedIn, or on Instagram, at christine.mchugh.runs. Christine also has a book. It's called From Barista to Boardroom, Lessons About Life and Leadership from a Career in Coffee. She Knows the Way will be back with another episode in two weeks. We'll hear from Carolyn Cesario and Julie Sullivan of Ground Up about the deep uncertainties of founding their own business and how they used their own inflection point to help other women up the ladder. I vividly remember having a board in our basement at my house and we would print out our rejection letters and go down and like throw darts at them. It was like, just like (laughs) another no, like, all right, here we go. It's kind of like this ceremony and yeah, just really at that point being like, wow, like I feel like all of the doors have closed. Until then, trust that you know the way. This episode of She Knows the Way was produced by Jennifer McCord, Nikki Stein, and me, Laura Dolch. Music selections were made by Eric Rabenna. For more episodes, hit subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to stay in touch, follow me on Instagram at at Laura Dolch and sign up for our newsletter at lauradolch.com forward slash podcast or by clicking the link in the episode notes.